You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. But uh, during this time, just so we don't have just blank space, uh, why don't we pray for this missionary family? Why don't we pray for the, the country of Italy? How many of you, um, I want to say a statement and tell me if you agree. I did not know the need was that great. Would, would you agree with that? I did not know that the need was so great. So let's pray together and uh, continue to have the choir get ready. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, God, for still calling men, still calling families, still calling people to do your work. And God, as I said before, I, I'm, I'm actually shocked that the need is so great in Italy. And God, I pray that you be with the Deneau family. And God, I, I pray that you give them wisdom and knowledge as they learn the language and they learn uh, how to uh, talk to these people and how to reach them right where they are. God, help them to learn the culture. Help, uh, uh, of course, on the money side of things as they raise support, as they raise the funds to, to be there and to stay there. I pray that you bless them. And God, uh, in, if any way possible, if we could if our church, if we could help them at all, I, I pray that we would do that. And God, I, I just thank you again that, um, that you are still calling your people. You are still calling people to be reached. And God, you haven't given up on the Italian people. You haven't given up on Americans. And God, uh, uh, as missionaries come through this church, uh, I'm always reminded that you are still in the business of saving souls and bringing people toward you. I pray that you bless uh, the continuation of our service and bless the choir as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.
Sure do appreciate that, amen. Appreciate the work the choir put in, and man, letting the Lord use them this morning, praise God. We'll be in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number five this morning. It's so good to see each of you here today, and i got a pretty challenging message for you today. Uh, my prayer is that you will receive the word of the Lord, because this is, uh, not everything about the Christian life is easy. Not every message we hear from the word of God is easy. We're being dismissed to junior church, by the way, during the moment. Uh, so yeah, any of the kids want to go back there, have a good time back there. They don't have to go, uh, but you can feel free to take them on back there if you would. Uh, but uh, in Nehemiah chapter number 4, we find out that the enemy was threatening from without. Uh, the enemy was threatening without. They're trying to build, rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. Uh, but now we're going to find out that there's an enemy, if you will, a weakness that's within. Just If you get the picture, here are these people doing a work for God. The city of Jerusalem, of course, was the place where God's name was. They were doing a work for God to be a light to the whole world. The enemy was fighting against them. But man, they're inspired. Uh, they were inspired by their leader, Nehemiah, to do a work. And they're building the wall. And they're getting close to closing up the breaches that were in the wall. And things are going really, really well. But then all of a sudden, there's a weakness that's discovered within. There's a structural fault on the inside. See, sometimes the exterior stuff isn't that hard to get, 
But oftentimes, internal problems are ignored problems. Internal problems are sometimes ignored problems. Sometimes it's easy to get what people see on the outside looking right. But God cares too much about us to, for us to, to, to leave it like that because He wants to make a change from within. He wants to experience His life and His life more abundantly. So when a defect comes to light, we cannot go on with our lives as if everything is all right. As we make progress in our building and working for God, God says, hold up just a second. You're doing well. God's blessing you. God's blessing in the work. And I'm thinking about the, the work here at the church. And man, the Lord's blessing the work that you're doing. And He's, he's blessing the work and the building and, and the way we're progressing. But then every once in a while, God just says, I want to pause just a moment. And I want, to, want you to take a look on the inside. I want you to take a look on, on perhaps a weakness on the inside. Now, I don't have time to preach about all the weaknesses that we may have on the inside. I don't have time to preach about the weaknesses I have on the inside. Uh, I run my mouth enough to where, uh, which is one of my weaknesses, but, but to where my weaknesses on the inside often come out. Um, but there's one particular weakness I want to focus on today as we begin to build. It's, it's a weakness that we really cannot ignore. It's a problem that we can't ignore. Sometimes, again, God tries to get us to address something etern- internally, and we say, you know, Lord, things are looking pretty good. I'm progressing pretty well in my life. But God says, wait. I, again, I love you too much to let you... G-. It, it's kind of like this. We, we, when we don't address problems within, it's kind of like mowing weeds. It's kind of like mowing, uh, I hate to use this word in the pulpit today, y'all forgive me, but it's kind of like mowing crabgrass. I say that because that's just, it's just like a cuss word to me. Uh, I hate that stuff. But, uh, but it's, it's like mowing weeds. It's the, they start growing up all wild and crazy. Let's take care of it. Let's go mow. Uh, anybody ever had a dandelion garden? Their yard just was a big dandelion garden. Anybody ever had one of those? Uh, No problem, just go mow it. It's fine. But for how long is it fine? Yeah, about five minutes, that's right. It feels like you go inside and take a shower and they're just shooting up again. See, and that's that's how it is with us sometimes. If we're not careful, we can come to church, we can serve, we can read our Bibles, we can pray, we can do all these things, but if we're not willing to really get in and address some of the internal issues that we face, they're just going to keep popping up, popping up, popping up. And God says, you need to address these things. Now, you'll see the application here in a minute, and I I am preaching application. I want to talk about what really happened in Nehemiah 5. But there's an application here I want to show you, and I want to get at this thing of unforgiveness. I told you. Because a big prayer of mine and a concern of mine is, when you hold on to unforgiveness, and if you're holding on to unforgiveness, there's a very good chance I just became your enemy this morning. As far as you're concerned. There's a very good chance if you're holding on to unforgiveness, you may have put up a wall right away and said, Nope, you're not getting me with that. You're not going to get me to forgive because we have this thing. I want to tell you something. It is not natural to forgive. And, and I'll say more about that in a minute, but, but, but I, and then I'll read the text and show, show the application. But I can remember a time in my life where I was building externally. God was working in my life. Matter of fact, it was leading up to the moments, I think it may have been the Thanksgiving before I moved to South Dakota. 20 years ago, we moved to South Dakota, by the way. 
And, and so God was obviously doing a work in my heart and life. I, I had surrendered to preach. I had married the woman of my dreams. The God, God had given us two beautiful uh, children. And things were just going well. Every, I'm just building. I'm just, the trajectory of my life is just like this. God's blessing, it's going good. But then just like here in Nehemiah 5, God says, wait just a second. And the way it come about was this way. When it, uh, I had called my aunts, uh, down, one of my aunts down in South Carolina. My, dad, my biological father, uh, I tease sometimes and say he took one look at me and you know, went to the store to get milk and never came back again, you know. Um, but I kept a relationship with my aunts and, 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 and grandmother and them down in South Carolina. And, and uh, so, so one Thanksgiving, it had been a while since I talked to them, but I just decided I was going to call up my Aunt Pat, see how she was doing, called up with her. And in the middle of the conversation, Ryan, she's just like, you know, your dad's back in town. My who? Number one, it always bothered me, my dad. You mean that dude that I would see every couple of years? And we grew up pretty poor. I'll tell you that much. And, uh, and I can remember when I was a little kid, he, I remember him coming around one time, and he gave me like five bucks. I'm like, son. You know, I'm going up to the store. and going to, and, but, but as time started going on, I'm like, that's sorry, deadbeat. I think that's all the money he ever gave to me uh, as a kid, five bucks. Uh, never anything for Christmas, birthdays, forget about it. Never seen the dude. Uh, just every couple of years, maybe, at, at the most. Uh, so... Uh, I, so she was like, your dad's back in town. And I'm, right then I'm just like, <clears throat> you mean David? Uh, you know, uh, but then she's like, he's, he's back in. And you know what, Jesse? He'd love to hear from you. Whoop-de-doo. You know, for the last 20 years, I would have loved to hear from him. But okay, he'd love to hear from Then she goes, let me give you his number real quick. Then I'm like, okay. She was like, you ready? And I'm just going to reenact it for you. Ready? Yep, I'm, I'm ready. 803, yeah. 256, mm-hmm. 1422, got it. I'm not writing this down because I could care less. I'm not calling this joker. Forget about it. I got off the phone with her. And, and, oh, and by the way, let me back up a little bit. One of the main reasons I was trying to make this call, Tyson, is because... Uh, I began to think about my unsafe family and I was thinking, you know what? I want to reach out to my family and make sure that I can share the gospel with them and so forth. So I got off the phone with them and as soon as I got off the phone, it's like God sitting there looking at me and saying, so uh, what was that? What was that? And I was like, well, Lord, that's, that's that jerk that left me, you know? I mean, that, you know, and, and everything. What, what do you mean? I... But, but, but what God, I, I, if you would have asked me before that phone call, hey, Jesse, do you have unforgiveness and bitterness toward your dad? I think I would have answered no, because I didn't even know I had it. But that phone call revealed to me that I had bitterness in my heart. In other words, it showed me that I had bitterness and I had unforgiveness within. You say, what did you do? By the grace of Almighty God, I decided I was going to forgive him. And I decided I was going to get this bitterness out of my heart. And I decided that I was going to call back and get the actual number and try to reach out to him. Because if for no other reason, my dad was not saved. And so I thought, man, if nothing else, I want to be able to reach him with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to know the way the rest of the story went, I, I continued to make an effort for a number of years, but it never really went anywhere, and he just uh, died earlier this year, actually. Uh, they, think, they think he burned himself up trying to make meth in a little trailer down in South Carolina, but I made an effort. 
And I did what I could do during that time. All the way up until the end, I would call, and he wouldn't return my calls. But I kept, I kept trying, kept trying, kept trying. But the Lord helped me to forgive, and the Lord helped me to get over that bitterness. And so, uh, so that I could continue to build and take care of a weakness that's within. So look with me in Nehemiah chapter number 5. And I just want to read the first five verses there and, and give you a little bit of background of what's going on here and talk to you about this thing of unforgiveness and bitterness. The Bible says, And there was a great cry of the people of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. So this is, this is among the Jews. For there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many, therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards and houses, that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, We have borrowed money of the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as the children, and lo, we bring into bondage our sons and daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought unto bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them, for other men have lands and vineyards. I'll explain this maybe more on another time, but what began to happen is that uh, some of the Jews were poorer to the point to where they weren't able to get food to eat. And so to, to, in order to get money, they basically would try to get money from their wealthy brethren, the, the other fellow Jews. Uh, so they may mortgage their land, they may mortgage some of their possessions, and they may say, you know what, Th this land is yours until I can pay you back. But what happened was, and that was okay to do, but what what was not okay to do by the law of God was they weren't supposed to charge interest to their brothers and sisters. And uh, every, uh, at, at least every 50 years, the land was supposed to, the, the, the debts were supposed to be totally forgiven so that the land would stay in that particular family. But that's not what these richer and better off Jews were doing. They were charging interest. They were literally taking these people's lands. They were taking their sons and daughters to be their servants to pay off the debts. So you say, well, what in the world does that have to do? And, and what was the solution to this, by the way? I think, let's see, if you skip down with me to verse number, uh, got it in here somewhere. I think it's verse number 11, yeah. The Bible says, here's what Nehemiah's answer was. Restore, I pray you, to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, and their houses, also the hundredth part of the money, and of the corn and wine and the oil that ye exact them. In other words, his solution was forgive them of the debt. Forgive them of the debt. Now, so right now, for one thing, they were having some interpersonal trouble. You know, one of the worst things that can get within a church, by the way, is bitterness and unforgiveness. And so we, that, that's something that we need to be aware of. But, uh, but, it, but it goes beyond that. Some of it can go back to uh, a long time. So this is a broad subject, and I'm going to do my best to deal with it as best as I can. But I promise you this. It is impossible for you and I to be able to build the life that God intends for us to have if our relationships with other people aren't right. People were trying to do something for Jesus when they weren't right with their brothers and sisters, when they weren't right with those closest to them. Now, I understand that, just like I told you in the story with my dad, I really made every effort that I knew how. Now, you, you always feel like you could do more, but to restore that relationship, it was never really restored, but I know that I did my part. And so we need to make sure as Christians that we are doing our part in order to forgive and to restore and so forth. 
Here's what Jesus said. You say, well, what does that got to do with us? Matthew 6, 12. Jesus said this in the model prayer, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The same model prayer is recorded in Luke eleven four, and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone that is indebted to us. See, what, what forgiveness and what unforgiveness really is, when, when someone does you wrong or when you do something wrong, you, in essence, are indebted to that person. And forgiveness means that you're going to handle the debt, which we don't really want to do. We want them to pay for it, right? We want them to pay. That, you know where that terminology came from? Because it has the idea of indebtedness. But, but, but Nehemiah said you need to restore them. You need to forgive the debt. Jesus said, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts, that which we've done against others. As, as, uh, you know, forgive us as we forgive others. So, Lord, forgive me the sins I'm even doing against you the way that I'm forgiving other people. Uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but how would you like to be forgiven of God? If you've ever prayed the model prayer, you've asked God, Lord, forgive me the way I forgive others. Is that how you really want God to forgive you, the way you forgive others? But that's the prayer. See, unforgiveness and bitterness has a couple of sources. One I'll hit quickly, but it's very important, especially within in a family, in a church setting. Wrong perceived. Perceived wrong. In other words, sometimes we can assume the worst about people. Uh, in other, we, 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 see, when the Bible's talking about judge not, it doesn't mean that we don't judge uh, the, you know, the, the effects of what people do and what people do as being right or wrong. What's wrong is judging one another's motives. And so assuming the worst about others is a bad idea. If we're going to assume, why can't we just assume positively? One of the reasons we don't assume positively is we've been hurt before. And maybe we've been hurt our family. Maybe we've been hurt our entire time growing up. And so we just automatically assume if somebody fails to speak to us uh, that, wow, they must be thinking they're better than me. Well, that's a pretty big assumption to jump to. Uh, they must be angry at me. They must. You, we, we start assuming things about people, and sometimes we can have a perceived wrong. Uh, man, the Bible, says, the Bible says we ought to forgive each other. I'm going I'm to share that passage with you in just a moment. Why does the Bible say forgiving one another? You know why it says that? Because we've got to forgive each other. Uh, you have to forgive me. Did you know that? I, or at least I hope you will. I need you to forgive me. You want to know why? Because I'm a human being. And I do things wrong. And I very seldom intentionally do anything wrong or to hurt anybody. But as people, guess what we do? Sometimes we hurt one another. Uh, I, I've, had, I've even had Melanie tell me sometimes. She, I see her look at me funny. And, and then after someone walks away, she's like, wow, Jesse. I'm like, what? She's like, well, that was kind of a jerky thing to say. I didn't mean for it to be a jerky thing to say. Uh, but, but in other words, uh, listen, man, I tell you, uh, this pastor right here, this is one, uh, you know, this is the absent-minded pastor right here. How many of you know that? And, and I got a calendar and I'm doing better, but I'm telling you, you talk about a bad feeling. I'm the guy, I'm the guy that one morning playing basketball, I'm playing basketball, you know, 6 o'clock, 6 to 7, 7.30 or whatever, and, and I just got this funny feeling like, man, it seems like there was something I was supposed to do this morning. 
And uh, this was years ago. Uh, man, there was something I was supposed to do this morning. I just don't know what it was. And, uh, and all of a sudden, about the time I'm done playing basketball, or maybe I looked at my phone after, and I saw I had a call from uh, Denise in the church. And, I, and then it hit me. Oops. Larry was having surgery this morning, and I was supposed to be there. Now, if you know me well, that wouldn't surprise you. I did not intentionally say, I don't care about Larry. I'm going to go play basketball. That's more important to me. No, I just forgot. I just forgot. And I'm glad we've got a phone today, by the way. But you want to know something? I had to ask them to forgive me, and I'm glad they forgave me. Uh, maybe I haven't done anything quite that egregious. Maybe I've done worse to you. Um, but I promise you one thing, uh, if, you, if you know me, then I need you to forgive me sometimes, all right? And guess what? I also need to forgive you. But there's assumed wrong. There's a perceived wrong. Uh, we, we, we cannot judge the thoughts uh, and motives of other people. Oh, pastor said this. I bet he was thinking of me. Then people go out. Yep, that preacher, he'll get up there and just talk about you from the pulpit. And you were the furthest thing from my mind. Now, you may have been the number one thing on God's mind, and that might be why you felt like I was talking to you. But you see what I'm saying? Things like that, have, it's perceived. So one of the times we need to forgive is we need to forgive over perceived wrong. Not giving the benefit of the doubt. Assuming the worst. Why don't we just start making it a point, especially among people in the church and among people in our family, why don't we just start assuming the best? Why can't we just assume uh, that, you know, so something positive that gives somebody the benefit of the doubt? Maybe they forgot. Maybe they're having a bad day. Whatever the case may be. But we have a tendency to, to, to think the word. And then all of a sudden, we just start seeing it everywhere. Once you start doing that, you see it everywhere. Uh, and, and then the worst thing is, then you start acting funny. And when you start acting funny, then people start acting funny around you because you make them uncomfortable because you're acting so funny. And you're standing there like this, you know, somewhere. And then all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and says, Oh, hey, man. They're acting so... Did you see how weird they're acting? I knew it. I knew something was up. You know, I mean, it's just... I'm telling you, there's wrong and then there's perceived wrong. Instead of assuming... When Jesus said don't judge, He said don't judge people's thoughts. Don't judge people's motives because you don't know them. Oh, I bet they... Hold it right there, buddy. Hold it right there. So, anyway, perceived wrong and then wrong perpetuated. In other words, hey, you ever been done wrong? We all get done wrong. We all genuinely get done wrong. We all get wronged in this sinful world. And it's not natural to forgive. Our spirits demand justice. But the Bible warns that if with unforgiveness, this, this enemy within, this weakness within, that in Hebrews 11 it warns that there's a... There's a uh, a root of bitterness that can spring up looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God we need to be people of grace lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled see some, some struggle even to trust God because they've been hurt by other people here quickly what are some signs of unforgiveness one of the signs of unforgiveness is being easily offended Another sign of unforgiveness is being quick to anger over small offenses. Another sign of unforgiveness is uh, being either, either overly emotional or lack of emotion. You shut down or you're super emotional. 
the danger of unforgiveness is that it has the potential to overpower and destroy every good thing in your life. It says it'll defile many if it's left unchecked. Now what is unforgiveness? I've mentioned it already. It's to refuse to release the debt owed to you by those who have wronged you. Again, forgive literally means to pay the debt. To refuse to forgive is to hold on to hurt and pain resulting oftentimes in a closed off heart. Sometimes, and what happens when we do that? I'm telling you, and you know it. There's some of you, there's some, I've known people that will hold on to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. And here's what it is. Look at this. We're the, we have this container and we're keeping it all inside of here. And we've got like a, you know, a G.I. Joe Kung Fu grip on that thing, man. We're not letting it go for anything. And I'm telling you, and you can see when the preacher brings up the, of the subject for, 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 of forgiveness, those knuckles turning white. Mm-mm. You ain't getting this bitterness and this misery out of me, buddy. You're not getting this pain and hurt out of me. You can forget about it. But there's a problem. As containers, there's only so much that we can hold within our containers. And it, it, it gets kind of hard to fit love in there. It gets hard to put joy in there with all that resentment and bitterness. And it gets hard to get peace in there. And that's why God's saying, I want you to let it go. But you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they did. But here's the thing. We're hurting ourselves. But I understand, I understand now. It's easy to get up here and say this. I know. I have been wronged. I have been uh, done wrong by people. I have had people do me uh, injustice. But I'm telling you, the bad thing is unforgiveness. That You can't let it, it. It's hard to love the people. It's hard to love your kids the way you ought to love them. It's hard to love others. It's hard to let the love of God in you and through you. And so what happens is rather than hurting those that hurt you, you ruin your own life. You hurt the relationships of those around you, with, with the people around you. My friend, and you've uh, perhaps heard it before, but unforgiveness that leads to bitterness, it's like, you know, being so angry at the person that's hurt you that you drink the poison. The poison of bitterness. Now, I want to say here quickly, what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't, number one, it's not forgetting. Oh, forgive and forget. We don't forgive and forget. Forgiveness isn't that we forget. But it does mean that we're not going to hold it against them anymore, which is another topic. We could use that in our relationships and our marriages oftentimes, couldn't we? You know, I heard the, well, I think it's actually an old country song, maybe, but that we bury the hatchet, believe the handle sticking out, you know, uh, type of thing. It's like you're ready to get it out at any uh, moment's notice. But what forgiveness is, and it, it, is, it really isn't forgetting, but I'll tell you this also, it's not saying that what they did is okay. It's not. Forgiveness is not saying, oh, I forgive you, man, it's all good. No, it's not all good. It's wrong. It's real wrong what you did. It's not saying that it's okay. Forgiveness uh, may not include uh, making myself vulnerable to that person again. I mean, listen, I, I, I use this illustration sometimes, uh, and you, I've used it with some of you before. Imagine somebody after church today comes up and tries to, and actually sticks a knife in me. 
God forbid. I just say, just say that somebody did. Number one, yeah, Nellie said, I feel sorry for them because it would be, it would end badly for them. But, but regardless of that, what I'm saying is that I may forgive them. I may forgive them almost immediately. Number one, there's a couple other lessons to learn here, by the way. I could forgive them within hours of them doing that to me, but that doesn't make the wound go away, does it? For one thing, you've got to understand that. Um, and I may feel it for a long time, and I may have the scar for the rest of my life. All right? Uh, assuming that I live. Um, but here's the thing. I may, I may say to myself, you know what? That dude kind of has a tendency to stab people. I don't think I'm going to hang out with that guy very often. I'm not going to come up and say, hey, man, you know, let's, can we go hang out in the dark? You know, let's go hunting together, just me and you. Um, some people get the wrong idea about forgiveness. We are not looking at the person who's offended us and saying, man, you know what? It's all fine. Not a problem. We're not doing that at all. And God doesn't want you to do that. Uh, I, I, had a fr- I had a friend of mine in the ministry, a, a fellow preacher. And I remember I told that preacher something after morning basketball. I used to play basketball some. But after morning basketball one morning, I told him something in confidence. It wasn't lunchtime before I was getting a call from somebody asking me about what he and I had discussed. Thankfully, he came to me uh, later, and I may, have, I may have actually confronted him, but he's like, man, I shouldn't have done it. I'm wrong. Forgive me for that. But, and, and I did. I forgave him. I forgave him right on the spot. But guess what I didn't do anymore? I didn't tell that joke or anything I didn't want other people to know. Right? Um, and so, uh, so, so that's what, uh, unforgive, unforgiveness, it hinders our prayer life, folks. When we refuse to forgive, our walk with God gets stuck. Our prayers get hindered. Our growth stops. And our relationships get cold and dry. Jesus said in Matthew 5, He said, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. We need to understand some of the consequences of for, for refusing to forgive. Some of the consequences. Um, refusing to forgive and holding on to unforgiveness, it limits our ability, as I've already said, to experience the joy of the Lord. It's the path to a miserable life. It can actually make you sick. If you hold on to bitterness and resentment, it can physically make you ill. We ought to forgive. So what, what are some reasons that we should forgive? I know a really good reason. God said to. And if you're a child of God, that should just about be enough for you. Right? God said to. See, forgiveness really matters to God, so we must learn how to overcome unforgiveness. And what I believe is that we do want, we don't really want to hold on to this forgiveness, but our problem is we feel like we're letting this person off the hook. I don't want to let them off the hook. I want them to pay. You know the problem is? They're not paying. I am. I don't want to let this person off the I don't. I, they need to pay. They're not paying. But I want, to, I want to encourage you today. If you will release this person from your courtroom, and when you forgive them, you're putting them into God's courtroom. And you're getting out of God's way so that He can work appropriately in these people's lives. All right? But I understand. I mean, I'm up here as a person that's been wronged, and I've been hurt, and I've been offended. Uh, but but we, do, we should forgive. 
In other words, if we shouldn't forgive for any other reason, we ought to forgive for our own sakes. We ought to forgive because God said so. But so, so we ought to forgive for God. We ought to forgive for our own sakes as well because you're not doing yourself any good. You know, the, uh, I think there was a fake psychologist that used to ask the question, how's that working for you, you know? Holding on to it, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. How's that working out for you? Not very well. Ephesians 4, verse 31, I referenced this verse earlier. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, I could t- well, you ought to study each of these words individually, clamors, yelling, you mad, and clamor and evil speaking. Isn't it interesting that two different uh, references to what you say in regards to being bitterness and, and having unforgiveness. Clamor and evil speaking with all malice. In other words, you want to, you, you've got bad intentions. You have evil intentions. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, look at this, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Uh, I, and I, I mentioned it earlier. I think it's interesting how God says, Before anybody ever did anything, he's just going ahead and telling every one of us, hey, y'all need to forgive each other. And we're sitting there thinking, well, I hadn't done nothing wrong. God was like, well, not yet. But you need to go, (laughs) be ready. Be ready to forgive each other, all right? Because we're people and we can be selfish and stupid and whatever else down the the line you want to go. But, But notice this, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. See, our forgiveness is based on the forgiveness that Jesus gave to us. In Matthew 18, there's this story. And I was looking for somebody that, that I could do this with, but I'll just, I'll just uh, uh, give it to you real quick. Uh, there, there's a story in Matthew that Jesus says about a man that literally owed like millions, possibly billions of dollars to, in, in our modern occurrence. So like 10,000 10, talents, I believe it was. I mean, talent was like the largest form of measurement in, in the Roman uh, society. He went and he begged his master to forgive him of his debt. He begged him. And he said, I'll pay it, which there was no way he could do, but he said that. But his master said, you know what? I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to release you from that debt. The man leaves there. Whoo, man, this is wonderful. It's good to be forgiven. He was forgiven a greater debt than he could have ever paid. But he goes out and he's walking down the street. Man, good to be forgiven. There's Phil. That dude owes me 2000 bucks, And literally the equivalent that Jesus gave was like thousands versus like millions, of, I've heard billions on the other side. That, that dude owes me some money. And so the Bible says that dude comes and jacks him up, shakes him down. And it's like, hey, where's my money, pal? I, I, I don't have it, but man, give me some time. He, you know, he said, forget about it. He threw the man into debtor's prison. He put the man's family into servitude. And when, the, and when his master that had forgiven him millions heard about it, he said, no, no, no. He, he obviously had some words to that man. But that's, that's an illustration for you and I today. An unforgiving spirit does personal harm. It does long-term damage to us. And, uh, and so here's how we, we need to forgive. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, he said that to continue in hate is to commit emotional suicide. We should, based on the Word of God, we should forgive the way we've been forgiven. We should, we should forgive freely, we should forgive fully, we should forgive finally. And we should forgive forcefully. Think about that. How did God forgive us? God didn't say, you know what, if you come to me, I'll forgive you. 
He comes to you right here, does he not? He came to your house one day. Or he came to your church one day or where you was at church and said, Hey, I want to forgive you. I just need you to ask. I want to forgive you. I just need you to be willing to turn to me and ask for this forgiveness and for this cleansing. Forcefully. He actually took the initiative. There's some other reasons that we should forgive. Uh, Nehemiah said, he, he was saying, man, as we're supposed to be lights to the Gentiles, folks. And if we're not treating each other right, it's going to be a bad thing. Because what unforgiveness does, unforgiveness disgraces God, it discourages the saints, and it drives away the lost. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one to another. There's no greater marketing that this church can have than a bunch of people that love each other and that love people that come in here. No greater marketing that you could ever have, Jesus says. So we've got to be on guard against that. In 1947, Corey Tenboom was given a speech in Munich, Germany. Uh, Corey Tenboom, of course, was a, a Dutch Christian. Her and her family had hid Jews from the Nazis uh, there in their home. When the Nazis began to occupy their country, uh, they found Corey and her family, her dad, her brother, sister, and they took them all to concentration camps. So Corey Tinboom went into uh, Ravensbrück concentration camp. And so, but now the war is over. It's 1947. So she went into Germany to speak to Germans about forgiveness and about how God can forgive you and how that we can forgive others. And here she was as a Dutch Christian that had suffered the horrors of a concentration camp. Here she was saying, hey, I've forgiven. God's forgiven me. I've forgiven uh, those Nazis and so forth. When she finished her speech, there was a man that came toward the front. And she said as she saw this man coming down the aisle, she said in one second she saw a man with a brown hat and a brown coat. But she said really quickly, her, her, the, the image flashed and reversed. And she saw a man with a blue uniform and a blue visor hat that had a skull and crossbones on it. Whip dangling by his side. She recognized this man as one of the Nazi guards at Ravensbrück concentration camp, walking toward her. Her mind went back immediately to Ravensbrook. See, she remembered specifically, one of the, one of the, among the many horrors that she faced, she remembered her and the other ladies in this concentration camp and her sweet sister Betsy having to strip down totally naked in front of these Nazi guards pile up their dresses and shoes and clothes over here in a pile, and she remembered this man that's now walking toward her being one of the guards that stood there observing and watching, uh, you know, jeering during this entire time. That's who this man was. She remembered him. Now, she says, this man walks down, and he's standing in front of her, sticks out his hand. And he says, oh, what a wonderful speech, Fraulein. What a wonderful speech today. And he said, uh, uh, he, he said to her, how good is it to know that as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. She, she didn't know what to do, so she just grabbed her pocketbook and started just fumbling around in there, acting like she was looking for something because she, did, she didn't know what to do. She sure didn't want to shake this man's hand. She did not want to be in the presence of this man. 
But he stood there and, 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 and he, said, he said, I was a, he said, you mentioned Ravensbrook. He said, I was a guard at Ravensbrook. He didn't even remember her, just to add insult to injury. He didn't even remember her. Uh, but, but he said, since that time, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips, Fraulein. Again, his hand came out and he said, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? And, and she said she stood there. I, who, she says, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven. But I could not forgive him. Betsy, her sister, she watched her sister die in that concentration camp. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by forgive me? This is what's going through her mind. It could not have been many seconds she said that she stood there and he stood with his hand held out. But to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. And still I stood there with coldness, clutching my heart. But forgiveness, she says, is not an emotion. And I knew that. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. So she said, Jesus, help me. She prayed there silently. Jesus, help me. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. And Lord, I'll let you supply the feeling, she says. And so woodenly, mechanically, she says, I thrust my hand into that one stretched out to me. And as I did, she says, an incredible thing took place. She said, the current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. And this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. And she said, I forgive you, brother. With all my heart, I forgive you. And I'm saying today that no matter how we've been wrong, forgiveness is not emotion. It's an act of the will. And what I'm begging you to do today is to forgive. You say, I don't feel it. Just like Corey Ten Boom held on, she said to her cold heart, you might be holding on to your cold heart today. But would you be willing to make that effort and say, God, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. See, because I'm telling you, it's, it's a crazy thing, isn't it? We're reluctant to this clear command of God, as if God is asking us to do something harmful to ourselves. The only reason God would ever ask this of you and of me is because He, know the, he knows the freedom that you can have if you'll forgive. That parent, that abuser, maybe they're one and the same. That husband, that wife. That person sitting across the room. Can you forgive today? So as we all stand and ask that question, I believe the only reason that I can really forgive is because I've experienced the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know the immensity of my sins. And I know the grace of God that He forgave me. And what I want to ask you today, have you had your sins forgiven? 
Because it's going to be really tough for you to try to forgive someone else if you've not yet been forgiven. Your sin, you remember what I said forgiveness is? It's somebody willing to pay the debt. Guess what? That's what Jesus did on the cross for you. He died there. He paid the debt. You got a daughter, son, you need to forgive? If you're not saved today, Jesus died to save your soul. He rose again to justify you. And if you'd be willing to turn to him today, he'll save your soul. Are you saved? Have you been forgiven? If not, he'll forgive you today. I preached on forgiveness a number of years ago, and it was such a tremendous blessing to me. This sweet, sweet lady in our church when I was in Pierre, she said, uh, I was preaching about spiritual warfare because that's what I'm preaching about this morning, believe it or not. Because if you hold on to that unforgiveness, I'm telling you, the devil will have a field day with you. The Bible says neither give place to the devil in the Ephesians chapter 4. Guess what you're doing when you're not forgiving? You're giving, you're giving ground to Satan. You're saying, here you go, Satan. I'm giving some real estate in my life. It's a, it's a spiritual warfare. This sweet lady, Virginia, she came to me after the service. She was 72 years old at the time. Her mom abused her emotionally, I think physically, but I know emotionally something awful. Never felt any love, never felt any care from her mom. Her whole life. So you want to know what she did the rest of her life? She got saved later on. She got saved as an adult. Did a work for God like the people we're talking about in Nehemiah. But one thing she had never done is forgave her mother. And what a wonderful and beautiful thing it was. When she shook my hand after the service was over, she said, Jesse, I want you to know that after 72 years, I forgave my mom this morning. She said with a smile and with a huge relief. There's a lot that could be said about forgiveness. Somebody says, well, they need to ask me. Well, Jesus still said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The forgiveness may not go full circle if they don't ask or if you don't ask, but you could still have a spirit of forgiveness. Heard Adrian Rogers say that he had somebody that did him and his family terribly wrong. He said he wrote a letter of forgiveness out. He forgave them and, and wrote a letter saying that he forgave them. And he did that with the attitude of, if the day ever comes that they come and do ask for forgiveness, it's already here. I've already forgiven and I want to tell you something, if you're not saved today, He's already forgiven you if you'll just come. In other words, the, 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 the price has already been paid. Why don't we sing a line or two of this song? You got the page number for that? 534. Listen to these words. Maybe you can sing them as a prayer today. 534. We'll sing a line or two. If you need to talk to Jesus, you need to do it right now today. Search me, oh God, and know my heart today. Try.
Sing the second one now. beautiful prayer of David's prayer out of Psalm 51. Search me and cleanse me. Amen. All righty, Danny, would you please dismiss us in a word of prayer and you are free to go. Oh, I want the Daniels to head back to their display table. Be sure and get by and meet